1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can find all of our podcast content on our Facebook page. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, anywhere that you get podcasts you will find. Locked On Packers. You can also always hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775. Doug Farrar joins the show today. He is at USA Today, formerly at Bleacher Report, formerly my colleague at Sports Illustrated. It's the, uh, the all-SI week, apparently. Melissa Jacobs was my colleague at SI, and so was Doug Farrar. And, and Doug, just by editing work that he did... Uh, made me smarter about football and he literally wrote the book on schematic innovation over the last you know 50 years and it's out now and, and it's called the Genius of Desperation. I highly recommend that you go get it on Amazon wherever you can find books and we'll get to Doug he has he has long been a um, a person who has diagnosed what's going on with Green Bay's offense the struggles that it's had. And I was really fascinated to hear his perspective on how this offense can be fixed. And and ultimately, the conclusion that we came to, and I don't want to spoil too much of it, was it's not so much that it needs to be fixed, it just needs to be repped. It needs to be refined. And I had gotten a note um, about a week ago from someone saying, you know, what, what have you seen as the impact from Mike Patton and Joe Philbin? Have they really made the team better? And I don't want any of my listeners to be repeating the talking point that this scheme hasn't changed, that this playbook hasn't changed. That's not true. There are a lot of issues now that have been issues in the past for Green Bay, some inconsistencies in the red zone, the inconsistent deployment of personnel, and some of the the problems that Rodgers has had in the past when he has not been playing his best are prevalent right now. That doesn't mean the offense is the same. It's not. And Joe Philbin, I think, has, has helped. I think when they said we took a scrub brush to this offense, that's not quite true. It's still very much the West Coast system that, that or the bones of the West Coast offense that they've been running for a long time. But they have added concepts. They're finally running some RPO stuff. The run game is not just inside and outside zone. The, the touchdown to Kendricks last week was with all four tight ends on the field. That is not something that we that we might have seen in the past, and and I don't want to spoil too much of the conversation, but I, this offense is close. And in fact, I want to play what Mike McCarthy said today at his press conference about this team and this offense in particular.
2: We spent a lot of time on us on self, Scott, because. Uh... Not to disrespect any opponent because at the end of the day, I don't give it, I don't care who comes out the, the tunnel. If we do the things that we're capable of doing with the energy and the focus, God bless the other guy. And that's that's the way we've always gone about it.
1: That is the 2018 version of We're Nobody's Underdog. And I, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day. Aaron Rodgers said after the game, he was very sullen, he was contrite and said, Look, I have to play better. And I know we got going in the second half, but I have to play better in the first half. Those fumbles are inexcusable. But then by midweek, after he'd been given the chance to watch the film and see all of the opportunities that were out there for this offense, Devontae Adams said, we think we can be the best receiver group in football. And I don't think that's just lip service. Devante's a confident guy. But when you look at him and and, De- and Geronimo Allison and the steps that he's made and the improvement already from the beginning of training camp to now with Marquez Valdez Scatling, equinemius St. Brown, I think they can be a very good secondary. Roger said, you know, we're close, and I, I'm I'm confident a lot of the same things he said in that run-the-table speech. This team, despite the fact that they're two, two, and one, remains confident and they're close. They really are close. They're not going to just put up 400, 500 yards of offense and score 23 points again. That's just not going to happen. The offense is going to continue to get better, and they're going to break out. And if they're healthy, and Geronimo Allison, it looks like he's on track to be back for Monday. Randall Cobb is probably not. We don't have a full injury report at this point, so I don't want to speculate too much. Brian Bulaga missed practice today but the big practices are going to be this weekend and so he had been practicing now there's a knee tweak and it's it's probably just maintenance but Jason Spriggs also left the practice field today it doesn't sound like a concern Mike McCarthy didn't bring it up at his press conference that doesn't mean it's not a concern but I don't want to dig too far into those injuries because we just don't have enough information at this point with a Monday game and we're not going to have shows over the weekend for me to give you those updates so just You know, my Twitter page, Locked on Packers, Acme Packing Company, all the normal places that you're going uh, to get your Packers info. Keep an eye on that because it is something to watch as we move forward here. But someone asked on Twitter today, what if they, they posited that this could be the kind of year like 2015 where the defense is a top 15, top 10 unit and the offense just doesn't play well? I just don't see that happening. And I think if this team is a top 10 defense, a top 15 defense, which it's pretty close to right now, they're going to be a playoff team. Because the offense is going to get going. The end of this schedule is very favorable to them. The meat of the schedule is coming up here. And we've talked about it already. Beat the 49ers, you're 3-2-1. and one, And then you have two road games. No one's expecting you to win. If you steal one, great. If you don't, you still have road games at Minnesota, at Seattle, at Chicago, that you can go win. And there's, there's actually a bunch of road games left. Um, but there's a bunch of games in total left. I mean, this is we're still early in the season, but there's plenty of games. Green Bay only needs to win two or three on the road to get into the playoffs. And so if the offense starts heating up and the offense gets going, and this defense continues to play well, and they get a little bit more consistent. They're going to have their full secondary with Bashad Breeland available in this game, it's sounding like. And they're not going to need it. It's CJ Beathard. That's one of the reasons why I haven't gone in depth in this in this roster for San Francisco, because Green Bay should just beat the hell out of them. I mean, this should be a 31-10 type game. And I want to play this voicemail for you.
0: Hello, Peter.
1: What's happening? Because I think it is It is a good week to bring this up.
0: Hey Pete, it's Mike from Pennsylvania. On Tuesday's podcast you mentioned um our style of play from 2000, the 2014 season and it made me think that I think Green Bay needs a game similar to when we played Chicago and Philadelphia that year where the game's just over at halftime. We need I think we need that for our confidence I'm tired of opponents looking at Green Bay as their get-right game. Thanks, man.
1: I had mentioned earlier in the season, 2014, when they, were, they would start games and just beat the hell out of people. They need a game like that. He's absolutely right for the confidence of this team. They need to prove to themselves that they can do it. And this is the game. And in some ways, it's, it's a bummer that the bye week is right after it. But that gives them an opportunity to, as McCarthy said, self-scout. It gives them an opportunity to get healthy. And it gives them a week of practice. You know, obviously the bye, they're not going to be practicing, but it gives the coaches an extra opportunity to make adjustments. But then you get that week back of practice with everyone healthy, theoretically. Rogers is close to 100% as he's been since the first half of the Bears game. And they could have a pretty big step forward coming in playing with confidence. So that's why they need to come in and take care of business against San Francisco this week to get to that 3-2 and 1, to get in good position back in this division, they're still in position in the NFC playoffs to control their own destiny. So go win this game, go up early, give yourself some confidence and, and let this be a Deshaun Kaiser game. Let this be a game where you're up 38 to 14 in the fourth quarter and you've got Deshaun Kaiser in there because you're just you're, you're it's an ass kicking. That's the kind of game this should be. And if it's not, if the, if Green Bay goes out and lays another stinker, even if they win, but they win like 21-17 or something like that, I think it's time to be seriously concerned about what's going on this season. Now, I have confidence. I still have faith. This team still has faith. I think more likely this is their get-right game offensively. I said that last week, uh, but I, I this like this has to be it. This has to be it. And they've shown signs, and so now go out and do it. And until they do it, we can't we can't have full faith. But I think this team is too talented, it is it is too good, and the scheme really is better for them to stay down all season.
2: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get twenty percent better.
0: one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store
1: all right let's get to doug Ferrar. he is a national writer at usa today formerly of br formerly of si formerly of yahoo You can follow him on Twitter at NFL underscore Doug Farrar. Doug, thank you for joining Locked on Packers.
3: Absolutely. My pleasure, Peter. Uh, We go back to the SI days and it's always nice to catch up.
1: Well, you as well. And, And speaking of going back to our SI days, you have been writing about your frustration with Mike McCarthy's offense probably at least that far.
3: Uh, I believe the first article I wrote about Mike McCarthy's offense and how it was driving me nuts was in the middle of 2015, and I've written four or five since then. Yeah, that- My frustration has gone from uh, Sports Illustrated to Bleacher Report to USA Today. It <laughs> travels with me wherever I go.
1: Well, so talk to me a little bit about that frustration, because I think any any fan that watched 2015 was looking at it and saying, what is going on? And what, what was going on? Cause it seems like a lot of what is still going on in Green Bay.
3: Well, the really bizarre thing about McCarthy and Rogers is that, you know, he became the, the factor starter. And at first McCarthy was running a West. It, it was actually a very creative offense. It was a West coast offense with some vertical elements, not dissimilar to what Andy Reed liked to run before he went back to college. Um, There were some wishbone and flexbone and full house backfield elements that were really creative and good and worked. And then all of a sudden he just, he he read the 1973 Miami Dolphins playbook and said, everyone just get open on your own. And everything became either a curl flat or a, a straight vertical and the crossing routes and double slants and all the things that, create openings in today's NFL, especially this year, where guys like Sean McVay and Andy Reid are playing three-dimensional chess, um, it's it's more and more interesting that McCarthy has sort of stuck to his guns. And I know with all the front office changes, McCarthy had said, you know, we're going to wipe it all clean. We're going to look for different things to do. And I thought, well, okay, maybe we'll get a little more creative. Uh, I was watching the Lions game today in preparation for this podcast. But I think he is doing a few more things there's at least rudimentary pre-snap motion to help Rogers discern sort of where the coverage is. But I, you know, and it's weird to say this about the best quarterback in the NFL and a guy considered to be one of the five best quarterbacks in NFL history. I think to a certain extent, the years of a lack of clear downfield openings has sort of broken him. I don't think he trusts the routes. I don't think he trusts the receivers. There were a ton of open receivers that I'm not going to say he missed because Aaron Rodgers doesn't miss a thing, but he was not throwing to them, and I think the the communication with Devonte Adams is particularly disconcerting right now. Um, you know, he had all those rookies on the field against Detroit, but I don't think that's the problem. I mean, I think he I think he is he's not trusting what he's seeing, and he's not seeing enough beyond that to trust it and I think with that you get a lot of I mean you sort of lock back in in the second half as is his want but you know this I think it's a broken offense and I think it's taken its toll on rogers
1: yeah I think I think there's no question and I think when you look at this this team and this offense this season, there are, there are two things that can be true at once. And, and one is that Mike McCarthy's scheme this year, it looked better than it has the last three years probably. And that Aaron Rodgers can play better. But also that the Mike McCarthy mantra may, be, may have taken its toll. And I, I've mentioned on the show a couple times the Bill Walshism of a coach gets 10 years before his voice gets stale. And uh, it is it is potentially ironic that Mike McCarthy came in and fixed a, a Brett Favre that had become broken in a lot of the same ways, I think, that that Aaron Rodgers is dealing with, um, with the residual of bad offenses and some bad mechanics and some bad habits. And maybe that's what Rodgers needs. I don't know. What do you think?
3: Um, it's possible. And I just I, – I've never understood, and I was on a, a – is a, the week before a Seahawks Packers game a couple of years ago, it wasn't a crazy playoff game. It was, I think regular season. And I was taught, i asked McCarthy about the uh, sort of, I didn't say it this way, but kind of a stale passing offense on a conference call. And he was just stubbornly sticking to his guns. You know, this is where we're going to do it. Our guys are going to get open. You know, he, he is really, he's not only simplified his offense in an era when passing offenses are becoming more and more complex, he has been downright defiant about it. I'm sure you're aware of that. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have a quote in the book where McCarthy just goes into chapter and verse about how, you know, <laughs> it's like driving down the wrong side of the freeway. He is going to do this no matter what. And then this season, you know, they are running a bit more than curl flat. There are some interesting. Crossing routes, but wh- another aspect, and, and part of it's you got a bunch of rookies on the field, but part of it is these guys aren't used to this. I mean, there was a mesh play um, where Rodgers, it, it was a whole, like a just a cavalcade of disasters. You've got uh, one of the rookies, um, Scantling, mm-hmm. running at a fade stop down the right side of the field. This was a deep Rodgers throwaway in the second quarter. And he's running a stop fee, but he hesitates, and the cornerback gets inside position. He never has to do anything to lose it. And it, it, I think it was at the same time, it, or maybe at a different play in the second quarter, um, you've got Devontae Parker as part of a mesh route, which is where the two receivers cross over on on short crossers, and you've got three guys sort of crashing into each other. Yeah. So I think it also takes time for these receivers if you have not run these before it takes time to get all the timing together and i think that's part of the problem it, it sounds so much easier and it makes sense to say well now that they've opened up the routes a little bit everything's going to be fine but you have to rep those things that's it is a ballet they have to everything has to coordinate and it's so much timing as bill walsh more than anyone taught us mm-hmm. Um it's all based on timing so you know I think he's opened it up a little bit, and I think Rodgers is missing a lot of those throws, and I think his frustration is mounting because part of it is his receivers are not where they're supposed to be because they don't know what they're supposed to run yet. They don't understand the timing of it, and that stuff takes time.
1: Yeah, and when and you, you go back and look at when this offense was at its peak and, and the two MVP seasons for Aaron Rodgers 2011 the skill talent on that team, even with no running game. I mean, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, Greg Jennings, Jermichael Finley. I mean, they, they could win ISO routes because they had that kind of talent. And 2014, same thing. Jordy Nelson in his prime. Randall Cobb in his absolute apex prime. Uh, rookie Devontae Adams. And then you had Eddie Lacey and James Starks in the backfield with the best offensive line in football. I think what we're seeing with McCarthy is when things aren't perfect. We talk about quarterbacks who are good when everything is perfect. Andy Dalton is a prime example. I think McCarthy has sort of his true colors and and failure to innovate and adapt to his personnel is as much anything why this doesn't work. And yet we saw in 2016 when Aaron Rodgers plays at his apex, it doesn't matter. And he can just – overcome everything. Do you think that, that kind of stretch can still happen or are we in 2018 now with so many teams who have made life so much easier for their quarterbacks and receivers just passed this team by to some degree.
3: It's going to take, I mean, you bring up Dalton, it's going to take time. You bring up Dalton and what Bill Lazor has done for Andy Dalton
1: <laughs>
3: is really incredible. And I think it's one of the great untold stories of the NFL this season. Mm-hmm. And especially in the red zone, how he, you know, he's creating defined openings with you know, switch releases and crossers and all sorts of creative things. He doesn't get the, the press that an Andy Reid or a, a McVeigh or a Shanahan gets, but Bill Lazor is drawing stuff up, especially in the red zone. That's as good as anything you'll see in the NFL this year. That took time. Uh, last year, you really didn't see it. This year, everyone's coordinated. They've had an offseason to do it. And this just may be a situation where it's going to take a season. And let's not forget that Rogers is doing this all on a bum knee. Mm-hmm. He's not fully healthy. It affects, to a very large degree, uh, his launch point, his lower body mechanics. I mean, all that stuff comes into play. So right now for him, physically and sort of medically, he requires things to be a bit more perfect than he usually would just because he's not 100%. And there's, you know, the Packers offense is in no way, shape, or form at that level yet.
1: We're going to get back to Doug in just a second. But before we do, I want to tell you about Lokai. They've been sponsoring the podcast. This is going on two weeks now. I've already had people reaching out, telling me that they bought the bracelets, that they like them. I've been wearing mine. I'm, I'm going to get my wife. I haven't given her hers yet, but I'm going to get her to wear it this week. I promise you that. And if you want to add a little bit more game day swagger to your life, go to loci.com. These bracelets are more than just showing team spirit. It's about balance. And let me explain. Every bracelet holds water from Mount Everest, the highest point on earth, and mud from the Dead Sea, the lowest point on earth. And it's a daily reminder to keep balance between the highs and the lows in your life. And since Lokai is friends of the show, they're offering you an exclusive discount of 25% off all game day collection bracelets. This is the best deal you're going to get. Just enter the promo code Packers25 when checking out. That's Lokai.com, L-O-K-A-I.com with the promo code Packers25 to take advantage of this amazing deal.
0: Hey everybody, this is Jason Buckland and let me welcome you back to our podcast In Conversation with Shopify Plus. Now, season one was all about the biggest names in business.
2: Steve Madden, Danny Reese, Chip
1: Wilson. But wait till you hear who we're talking to now for season two. Philip Prim, CEO, Casper. Webb Smith, founder, Two PM;
2: Kyle Kadakia, founder, ClassPass. Heather Hassan, Trina Spear, co-founder, co-CEO, Thanks, Chris
1: Saka, co-founder, of Lower Carbon Capital.
2: R-E-L-K, CEO, Parachute.
1: This is In Conversation with Shopify Plus. All right, back to Doug. Yeah, and let's not forget, this is the greatest outside the pocket quarterback in terms of throwing on the run that the league has ever seen. And he can't really do that. So, and, right. and, and doesn't have Randall Cobb or Jordy Nelson out there on those second reaction plays. He hasn't built that chemistry with Jimmy Graham yet. And even to some extent, Devontae Adams. I mean, you mentioned it, it seemed like they're still not quite on the same page, um, despite the fact that Rogers. Well, I remember had,
3: talking. Yeah, go, go ahead. I remember watching tape of Doug Baldwin like four years ago, and he talked about how important it is to be on the same page with a mobile quarterback as he breaks the pocket. Mm-hmm. And Baldwin told me that it's a science all its own. And people don't tend to understand, you know, they think it's sand law and it's so easy. It's not when you have a mobile quarterback, when you have a guy who's even better throwing outside the pocket as the Seahawks sort of do with Russell Wilson. Um, a guy like Baldwin, you essentially have your in-the-pocket route tree and your out-of-pocket route tree, and you have to pay equal attention to both of them. And it takes years to be able to do that effectively.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's that's the thing, and, and this is something we've seen seemingly, I guess, every year for the last, I don't know, five years, where we almost have to take September and and flush it a little bit because we see teams like the Patriots get off to slow starts. And we've seen the Packers get off to slow starts. Plenty of teams that play well in December and January have been getting off to slow starts. And and maybe it is just as simple as they really did change the offense in the offseason. They, they added Jimmy Graham. They're trying to work in these rookies. They're trying to find snaps for these running backs. And that takes time. we're seeing it around the leagues in some places. It's just difficult when you're a Packers fan to look at what's happening in Kansas City or Los Angeles and go, we have Aaron Rodgers. Why can't we do that? Or you watch Drew Brees last night and you just go, we played that same Washington defense and we couldn't put up 43. Well, Drew Brees has had Sean Payton for
3: 13 years. Yep, Andy Reid has been... Taking mobile quarterbacks and designing them into traditional offenses since he had Michael Vick in 2010, and he's had you know Brad Childress and Chris Alt as uh, quote unquote spread game coordinators all the way through the 2010s. So when he got and and he had Alex Smith, who really turned both the Chiefs and the Eagles via Doug Peterson onto the RPO concept a couple years ago. So by the time he got Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid had a graduate level course. And everything he needed to do for that quarterback,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know, McVeigh has had. This is his second year with Goff, um, but he immediately made Goff comfortable, and Goff was far better than he was in his rookie year as a as a pure athlete, just because the coaching was so abysmal. And then you go from zero to ten, and this year McVeigh's turned it up to eleven. You know, I, I don't think you have. Again, you don't, you, you don't have a backlog of teaching reps with, in the Packers' situation to really rest on, and in a case like that, I don't think it matters how great your quarterback is. It's just going to take time.
1: All right, so I guess all of that is to say, where does Green Bay go from here? Um,
3: I think they have to hope that Rodgers you know, stays as healthy as he is. Yeah. Um, They've got injury situations to deal with. Um, I I think in the short term, they have to keep knocking at it. I would say that McCarthy could help his quarterback more by creating more short to intermediate openings. But I think he's starting to do that. You know, as I said, there's more pre-snap motion. They're starting to get more creative. Um, You know, I'm I'm not going to say it's a waste year per se but it's simply going to take time to have everyone together especially if they have a bunch of rookie receivers on the field for any amount of time um it's it's just going to take time and reps and patience
1: well one of the reasons why which i know nobody nobody has <laughs> <laughs> well and and potentially maybe not Mark Murphy in Green Bay which is the person that that Mike McCarthy is going to have to most convince that that the time is what they need one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, obviously, is you have been following this offense in particular and, and been frustrated with it for a long time. But you also literally wrote the book on schematic in, uh, innovations. Talk to me a little bit about The Genius of Desperation and, and this book that you wrote.
3: Uh, well, thank you for the plug. The Genius of Desperation is a chronological schematic history of professional football from 1920 to the present. It goes from the T formation to the RPO. Excuse me. The title of the book, uh, The Genius of Desperation, really comes from my philosophy, my theory, that no innovation in the NFL has come about through anything other than competitive desperation, i.e. the player or the coach or the team knows that, okay, we don't have the talent to beat our opponent. We have to think outside the box. We have to present them with something they've never seen. So the book is a history of that from... Clark Shaughnessy's passing and motion additions to the T formation in the 1930s through Bill Walsh creating the West coast offense because the starting quarterback got hurt to how the wildcat came about to really the RPO. The RPO was a, a situation where, okay, we don't have our starting quarterback and our backup Nick Foles is not that great, but the one thing he can do consistently well is the run pass option concepts that he had with Chip Kelly. And Doug Peterson had guys on his staff who were there from the Kelly era. So overnight they kind of built an offense that Nick Foles could win with, which he did. And the book is really about the history of those sort of galvanic moments where teams and coaches and players realize we have to create a different way of doing things.
1: I mean, a lot of those situations sound like what we got going on here. Um, (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, I, maybe you, you send yeah send McCarthy a copy. Who yeah,
1: twelve sixty five Lombardi Avenue, Doug. If you've got a couple books,
3: <laughs> p- <laughs> I can just shoot him a PDF
1: if you've just got some laying around. Uh, <laughs> Doug, I appreciate you joining the show, and hopefully things turn around. Just for your just for your Twitter sake.
3: Well, yeah, yeah. I, I put up the uh, I put up the the mesh route disaster this morning, and it was not pleasant.
1: It's not pleasant for, for anyone who has been paying attention, and, uh, but I, I appreciate you for, for doing yeoman's work and pointing out um, when it's not going well because it's easy, I think, to write about offense when everything's going great. I think it's harder to look at an offense and say, this is what's wrong with it, and, and maybe this is, this is how they can fix it. So uh, I have always appreciated that. You're a problem solver.
3: I was kind of fight a good fight, man. That's all I can say.
1: <laughs> all right, Doug, appreciate it.
3: Thank you very much.
1: All right, I want to thank Doug again for joining the show. Always a pleasure to have him. One of the smartest guys that covers our sport, um, and and really has shown me and taught me a lot about football, what it means to cover it in a smart way, um, and even just some of the ins and outs of scheme and and everything. So I, I think that is a a vital component that his insight there to what this Packers offense can look like, and that's another reason I'm bullish on the way that they can they can look moving forward is incorporating rookies into this offense is hard. He called it a ballet. You have to get the dance moves down. And you have to move in concert with one another. And the quarterback has to be comfortable playing on schedule and playing on time. And if he doesn't think the routes are breaking open at the right times, he's going to get off them in weird ways. And so that's why it's even difficult for us. And the coach, you know, the coaches know where these things are supposed to be going and what he's looking at and they're able to sit down with Rodgers and say okay what are you seeing what did you do here whereas when I watch the coach's tape I can see the route concepts and I can say that's good scheme but it's possible that the timing was off and I'm just not aware of that and that the expectation from Rodgers is one thing and the receivers do another so even if it looks good this happens in golf all the time a golfer will hit a shot that looks great and they're annoyed because they didn't hit the shot they wanted. And it ended up well, but it wasn't the shot they tried to hit. So maybe guys get open, but it wasn't in the way or at the right time, and so Rodgers comes off. Now, I'm not that's not an excuse, but that is a, that would be a reason that we just can't tell as to why Rodgers isn't pulling the trigger on some of this stuff. I mean, you heard Doug say it. Rodgers doesn't miss stuff. So the fact that this is not going exactly the way that we would want it, there could be some reasons behind it. All right, I think the Packers win and win big on Monday. We're going to have a show Monday uh, that will push forward to the game. We're going to talk about what what has happened on uh, – it, it'll actually be an ideal situation to talk about injuries because we'll have a better idea of who's playing and who's not. And we'll know what happened on Sunday so we can see that the position the Packers will be in when they take on the 49ers in a game that they should blow the doors off San Francisco. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Packers. You can like us on Facebook where we post all of our content. And whenever you want to reach out to the On Packers podcast, you can do so at the Locked On Packers fan hotline 920-341-3775 to let me know how you are staying Locked On Packers.